Hey, Paradise people. Welcome back to the podcast from our radio show here at Bobo 89.1 FM. I am Bella Rooney, your host. And today we are chatting with James Whitaker about renewable energy. Big topic. It is. <laughs> so thanks for so much for coming in today, James. Like we spoke ahead, you're super busy. So I really appreciate it. Oh, no, no problem. Thanks for inviting me. So James is the president of CREA, which is the Cayman Renewable Energy Association. And you're also the founder of Green Tech, Green Tech Group, right? Yep. Which is the only sustainable services conglomerate in the Caribbean, providing a full range of sustainability solutions. That's from design and building of green homes to renewable energy and LEED certification, whatever that means. Maybe you're gonna have to tell us about that. So when it comes to chatting about renewable energy and sustainability in the Caribbean, I really don't think there's anyone better to talk to. So thanks so much for coming in. Again, you're welcome. Thanks for, say thank you. Thanks for uh, inviting me. Okay, so let's start by getting to know you a bit better. Yep. I have read that you have degrees in banking, accounting, and international finance. So how have you ended up spearheading the renewable sustainability push here in Cayman and the Caribbean? And what was the moment you realized that this was kind of your calling? Yeah, it's a long story, but I'll try to condense it. Uh, I spent 19 years in finance, um, like most Caymanians. Uh, finance was the path of least resistance education-wise. Right. And so I, like a lot of Caymanians, worked in the bank, went to school at night, studied finance. Um, about 10, 12 years ago, I was kind of looking for what I wanted to do outside of finance. And I sort of had these sort of abstract uh, entrepreneurial goals. I wanted to do something that was in the sustainability realm, uh, something in the technology realm. And ultimately, over a couple of years of sort of honing in what I wanted uh, to, to do, I sort of came up with this 15-year plan for Green Tech Group. Mm -hmm. And it was really to bring uh, sustainability to, to Cayman in a, in a more uh, advanced way for energy, for development, for transportation, and for agriculture. So those were my four sort of buckets of, wow. of focus. And... Uh, Basically, over the last 10 years, those, I mean, most people know me for energy, mm -hmm. uh, but we have done um, things like uh, LEED certified homes and developments, mm -hmm. um, where LEED is a is the global green building standard. Okay. So, we've probably built for ourselves and customers. We've designed and built probably 30, 35 LEED homes here in the island. Mm -hmm. These are typically homes that are... Um, zero energy. So they're used sustainable materials to build themselves, but also they basically have no electricity bills or very, very low electricity bills. Um, so we've been doing that as well. And then uh, recently we've, um, we've ventured into sustainable farming uh, through another one of our ventures. And uh, we are pushing forward with trying to bring more sustainability to transport here in Cayman as well. Oh, so please, it takes a long time, but those are all the buckets that, uh, that I tend to focus on. All the buckets. That's a lot of buckets. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of books. And I didn't even know the agricultural part. That's super cool. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm one of the people involved in Primitive Greens. So Ooh, we're really? uh, commercializing, um, container farming, doing it in a way that um, provides food security to the country. And uh, so we've actually just got back last week from a trip overseas to another island who their government wants us to expand down there as well. And so food security is a big deal for Caribbean yes, islands. For sure. And uh, we're marrying renewable energy with the, the food uh, to provide 100% uh, of the, the green leaf produce that the country needs and grown 100% sustainably. And in the event of hurricanes, we can still feed the country. Okay, well, that's a whole other episode that I've already talked to Primitive Greens that we're going to have. Ah, so there. for sure, can't wait for that. But let's just <clears throat> oh, let's just tackle renewable. It's sure. an easy thing to say. <laughs> but... um. Let's start by just starting at the very beginning. So for somebody who might 
not know, I don't know, maybe there's somebody out there who just doesn't actually know what renewable energy is and what forms we have here in Cayman that we can harness. So in very simple terms, renewable energy are sustainable energy resources from natural resources that can regenerate themselves consistently. So the sun, mm -hmm. the wind, the mm -hmm. water, uh, the earth, geothermal. Um, so as opposed to how we typically power our world uh, through fossil fuels, we dig up fuels out of the ground, we convert them into energy and we burn them. Mm -hmm. um, that leads to a whole host of, of carbon-related issues um, and, and climate change uh, advancement. Uh, clean renewable sources doesn't negatively impact the environment because it's, it's from the environment. Right. So it's just that, giving back to that, which yeah. is the way the earth has actually always yeah. done it. And so we just find ways as, as consumers to harness that, right? So it could be solar panels on your roof at home. Okay. It could be a wind turbine. Um, on a large scale, you can have geothermal uh, mm -hmm. for energy production. Commercially, you can have geothermal for cooling your AC. So it's just finding ways to use nature in order to have a perpetual energy source. Mm -hmm. And I've heard the word OTEC. Yeah. Um, is that, that's another source that we have here on island? Yeah. So again, um, there, there are various water-based uh, okay. forms of energy. Cayman has very, very deep water, second deepest water on the planet. Mm -hmm. And so OTEC sort of predicates itself on having deep water. Uh, OTEC in very simple terms is uh, the ability to go down deep in the water where there's uh, variation in temperature change. Okay. And so it uses that temperature change to create a chemical reaction that creates electricity. That's so cool. And I guess that's kind of my next question is... How are these pieces of technology, say like a solar panel or OTEC, like you just mentioned, um, how are they able, so let's start with the solar panel. How are they able to capture light and then turn that into energy that we can use to boil a pot of water? Yeah. Um, so in simple terms, uh, solar panels have these things called solar cells. Okay. Those solar cells catch photons from the sun that crash on our roof every single mm -hmm, day. Mm -hmm. uh, they take those and they convert them into DC power. Um, DC power. What we use in our homes and what's used on the grid is AC power. So there's uh, some power electronics, things called inverters. It mm -hmm. takes that DC power from the solar panel, converts it into AC power, and it either goes into our homes or goes onto the grid for everybody to use. Cool. That's so cool. And it's the same, I guess, with wind turbines. Same concept. You're converting uh, an energy source. In this case, you're going to have a turbine and the wind's going to blow and it's going to push that turbine. That turbine's going to spin. That spinning is going to go through a generator that's going to create DC power. An inverter is going to convert that into AC power cool. and it's either going to put it into your home or into the grid. Cool. So that's, that's so cool. Okay. Yeah. So that's a pretty, yeah. seems like it's a pretty straightforward process. Create energy, stick it into the grid. Yeah, that's a, that's a very basic explanation, but, of course, but that, I'm that's sure. the gist of it. I'm sure that gets really technical in there. So... We have some of that on island. We have some people who have that on their houses. We have some companies who have that maybe powering their offices or things like that mm -hmm. currently, right? So what, but we don't have enough <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> we don't have enough of it. So what are the benefits of having renewables over the diesel that we use? So obviously I think from what I understand, our diesel is shipped to us from refineries around the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico. Mm -hmm. So how could using renewables really actually start changing the game here in terms of us powering our own country? Yeah, so there's a lot of ways. Um, one, it's certainly more environmentally beneficial, mm -hmm. right? Uh, again, you're not uh, producing all these carbon emissions that you're producing when you burn diesel. Uh, it's also healthier uh, when you're burning diesel and other fossil fuels. Uh, diesel gives off something called diesel particulates. Mm. Uh, it's proven that that's linked to cancer. Mm -hmm. And when we burn those things, we basically spray that 
over the island. So there's there's health issues that result from that. Same thing with uh, non-electric cars mm-hmm. uh, oh. coming out of tailpipe emission. There are carcinogens in there. Right. Um, another benefit is the price stability um, with regards to fossil fuels and things like diesel. You know, this year the cost of CUC's power from an and a, from a fuel perspective is twice what it was last year. It's doubled. And so that's simply because there was a war in the Ukraine and, and the price has gone up. So there's price volatility. So from one year to the next, yeah. that affects you as a consumer. It affects your economy. Uh, your cost of energy can be double one year to the next and you can't control it. So the beauty about producing energy where you are, yeah. producing your own energy, is that you can control the price and you can control the volatility. Typically, renewables are also much less uh, expensive than, than uh, fossil fuel energy as well. Uh, now, you need to peer renewable energy once you get a large amount of it with uh, energy storage, right? Mm. Um, in order to compete against diesel generation and other forms of thermal energy. But uh, energy storage as a technology is tried and true and it's here today. And so you can have very, very large amounts of renewables. There's countries uh, that, that run on 100% renewable energy on a day-to-day basis. Um, uh, but we're probably still going to need some form of diesel generation as backup for mm. I would say probably the next decade or two mm-hmm. um, until uh, the cost of, of energy storage is so low that it doesn't make any sense to have fossil fuels. But the truth is Cayman's renewable energy target is 70% renewable energy mm-hmm. by 2037. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's quite practically achievable. Yeah. Uh, on an average day in Cayman, the vast majority of our energy could come from renewable sources, even with the technology and the pricing today. Really? Yeah. Dang, that's hopeful as heck. Yeah, we've just got to get some of the, the regulations and, and the special interests all right. aligned mm-hmm. so that uh, we have alignment amongst all the stakeholders. Mm-hmm. We've got to have, obviously, the political bravery to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm optimistic that at some point here, we're really going to go from being a laggard in mm-hmm. Cayman uh, amongst our regional peers to being the leader in renewable energy in, in quite a short period of time. I love that. And I think we kind of, as one of the top Caribbean countries, we really should. <laughs> yeah, we, we have, really should be forefronting this whole thing. Yeah. One of the frustrations I have with Cayman in our, you know, in 12 years of pursuing renewable energy as a country, we've only achieved 3% renewable energy. 12 years. 12 years. So 97% of our energy still comes from uh, diesel. Um, and that's that's pretty abysmal. You've got other islands that are 30, 40 50% renewable energy wow. and we're sitting here at 3%. And the truth is that, you know, as I said, the reason why I, I kind of, you know, don't give us any excuses because Cayman has a lot of advantages that these other islands wish they had, mm. right? Infrastructure, the ability to find financing. Yes, right. Um, we have a lot of advantages that they don't, but, you know, they have more commitment than we have historically. How oh, interesting. Wonder why that is. Maybe it's a public informational issue. I don't yeah, know. There's a lot that goes into it, but political will is where it starts. Where it starts, right. So, okay, well, we keep talking about that. But 12 years ago, so that's kind of when we started. When did CREA start? So I want to know about CREA. So that's that's Cayman's Renewable Energy Association that you're the president of. So how did you guys first start? What was the main objective when you started? And what is the main objective still of your association? Yeah. So CREA started in 2015. It was myself, Jim Knapp, and a few others. Um, CREA, as the Renewable Energy Association, is uh, a group of advocates who advance, uh, who advocate for the advancement of, of renewable energy adoption in the Cayman Islands, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, we're not just solar companies, which a lot of people think that we are. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, you know, of our nine board members, there's only two solar companies on our board. Mm-hmm. Um, of our 45 members, only five of them are actually solar companies. So 
It's, um, it's a coming together of individual advocates. It's uh, corporates from other um, industries. Mm-hmm. It is nonprofit organizations and it is, it is solar companies. So we all come together as a group and we try to push for regulation. We try to push for policy. We try to push for law. Uh, we try to push for changes in, um, in, in permitting and things like that. Anything that we can do to advance renewables in the Cayman Islands in, in a more aggressive way. Yeah, that's super important. Yeah, we, we think so. Oh, I think so too. And I mean, and anybody can join, right? Anybody can join. You don't have to know anything about renewables. You just have to want to be an advocate for Cayman being a more sustainable place. Cool. And I know before I left, so I've joined now and I can't wait in the new year to kind of get my head more into that because it's something that is just really one, one of the biggest steps that I believe that we need to take as an island towards sustainability because it's a big you know, I, I believe in every single step is a big step. Like even throwing, recycling a single piece of plastic or maybe deciding you're going to carpool. Like I think any little action is big, but I think changing an entire island in terms of becoming self-sufficient that way is one of the biggest things. So I'm super excited to join you. And with that being said, I'm joining you because I heard you talk right before I left for COP27. We had a little... We had a little meeting where you told, kind of gave me the 101 on our current state of affairs here in terms of renewable. And one thing that really shocked me was that as a country, our carbon output is small compared to industrial nations, but we have, I believe, one of the highest per capita, so per person footprints in the world at maybe estimate number five, I think last time you checked, last time I checked, around number five highest carbon like prints in the tons, 15 yep. tons per person. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so Cayman, um, as you mentioned, in, in aggregate yeah. as an island, yeah. you know, when you look at global emissions, we're minuscule yeah. in terms of how much we give off in aggregate. Uh, but if you look at a per capita basis, our carbon emissions per capita is very, very high. We're about number five in the world Gosh. of worst carbon polluters per capita if you take out industrialized nations, so nations that have oil and, and cement and, and in large industries. Um, if you leave in industrialized nations, we're still about 25, the 25th worst carbon polluter in the world. So um, we use a lot of energy per person here in, in Cayman. And so it goes to the whole point of, we need to be more sustainable. We're on the front lines as a low-lying island nation for, for climate change. Mm-hmm. And how can you get up on the world stage or in the regional stage and tell people to get their act together when you're the fifth worst carbon polluter in the world per capita? You can't. You have to you have to basically you know practice what you preach and so that's one of the reasons why we really need to move towards sustainability because it, it makes no sense three tiny little islands that are completely soaked in sunshine 24 7. Mm. we burn a lot of air conditioning here air conditioning 24 7 365. everybody has like three cars that's right you know and i mean i don't want to be hot yeah. and it's also really nice to be able to drive wherever i want but you can see the issues not even just in the energy there's traffic there's yep. You live on a small island, but everyone has to drive everywhere. So you don't have communities that are walkable. You know, no. you can't just go downstairs and go to the grocery store and go to this and that. You have to get in your car to go everywhere. And so it's kind of a whole gamut of policy that really needs to, to, to support sustainability. And it's everything from energy to, to development and how we actually develop our, our, um, our communities and things like that. Um, you know, bicycle lanes and, you know, so there's, Policy really drives mm-hmm. sustainability. And so, you know, we need things like the National Energy Policy. 
we need things like a, a Cayman, um, you know, development policy about how we want to develop our island going forward. And a lot of those things will help to drive down the carbon emissions per capita. Yeah, because that's just kind of unacceptable, really. And I'd say that that's definitely where we are going wrong is in kind of how we've set everything up that way. And and But one thing you also mentioned to me when I first met you was the least cost philosophy. And I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about that, because that I had never heard about that before. And I don't know whether we're still doing that or if that's something we're moving away from now. But could you just explain what that is in terms of why we're still continuing to use diesel on our yeah. island? So, look, um, the least cost philosophy is, is something that in the last half decade has really been pushed by uh, the utility and some in the regulator uh, 10 years ago, we were pursuing renewable energy to try to get renewable energy to the point where it was less than the cost of diesel. So we were pursuing an unsubsidized strategy. Mm -hmm. We wanted people to not have to pay subsidies to, to adopt renewable energy. And so that changed with sort of this advocacy for, well, we'll support rooftop solar and we'll support consumer renewable energy if it can be done at least cost. Well, it can't be. Mm -hmm. Least cost is building big solar farms on thousands of acres of land mm -hmm. and, and doing that at large scale to drive down the cost of energy. Now, you can, 10 panels on a roof could never produce power cheaper than 10,000 panels in a field. Right. Uh, but the reality is you live on a very small island. Mm -hmm. Consumers also have rights and have to be able to, to protect their family and their homes and be able to, to produce their own energy for cost savings, but also for life uh, safety and security reasons. And so on a small island, you have to have both. You just can't cut down thousands and thousands of acres nope. to build solar farms. There has to be a balance of both. Mm -hmm. uh, all of this developed property here, you want to use all these parking lots. You want to use all these rooftops. And so while that can't be done at quote unquote least cost, mm -hmm. it can be done at less than the cost of diesel. And right. that should be your metric, right? Right. Not let's do it at least cost because basic economies of scale will always exist. It'll always be cheaper to produce power, you know, with 10,000 panels in a field as opposed to 10 panels on the roof. Right. But if you can produce both of them at less than the cost of the diesel energy, you should be pursuing both of them. I agree. And so that's why the least cost philosophy is a bit of a misnomer. But if you say to the public, hey, you know, we want to pursue uh, energy that's least cost for your benefit, logically it sounds, it sounds right. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. It sounds like that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But what they're not saying is that means that you can't have solar at your house and you can't have solar at your building because I have to build in order for me to achieve quote unquote least cost, I have to build it at very large scale. Of course, if you're a utility, not just our utility, but all utilities, yeah. your primary interest is utility scale power. Mm -hmm. And you want to be able to monopolize that to the extent mm -hmm. that you can. And so there's always a vested interest there. What we argue for at CREA is an all of the above approach. Okay. What the national energy policy calls for is an all of the above approach. We do have to build solar farm, big solar farms. We do have to build wind farms, uh, but we do have to maximize rooftops and parking lots. And we have to pursue energy efficiency and electric vehicles. So you have to pursue this as an all of the above approach. But if you go with this least cost philosophy, it always limits that to what you can do. And that's really large scale renewable energy. And so it's a bit of a misnomer, but they use it to their advantage. Yes, they do. That's annoying. <laughs> but that's I've never understood it that way before. I never had been had it explained to me in that way before. So I really want to make sure you kind of explain that. And that's really interesting. So like you said, all of the above. So currently we use an integrated resource plan. I'm wondering exactly what that is because I don't even I don't 
you know, I'm kind of still learning about all of this myself. And I know a lot of people out there might not know. So what exactly is this integrated resource plan that we're using? It is any of it renewable? Yeah. So uh, when I say we are using a renewable uh, integrated resource plan, actually Cayman as a country, Cayman, yeah. we use the national energy policy. That's our policy. Okay. The integrated resource plan is CUC's 20 year plan for themselves. Oh, I see. And okay. so what you ideally want is that your country's policy aligns with the utilities plan. And for the most part, it does not precisely, but for the most part, it does. So those are sort of the two governing documents of energy in Cayman, the national energy policy, which is the people's plan. Yep and the integrated resource plan, which is the utilities plan. Okay. So um, these two documents basically are, are aligned uh, for the most part. And so the utility follows the integrated resource plan. Um, unfortunately, too many people in the regulator also tend to follow the integrated resource plan as opposed to the national energy policy. But our governing document that we should be following is the national energy policy. Uh, to be fair, the integrated resource plan does have more um, technical detail, you know, how much uh, of a particular type of energy, what type of energy is included in our energy mix, those sorts of things. Oh, okay, okay. Um, whereas the national energy policy is really about policy and targets and setting goals, right? Okay. Um, so those are sort of Cayman's two governing documents, but integrated resource plans are important uh, because what it does is it shows from a technical standpoint what your power company, what your utility is going to be doing for the next 20 years. And luckily, as I said, for the most part, CUC's plans are all about renewable energy. Yeah. Now, it's my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. They want to own it. They don't want you to own it. But uh -huh. They want to own it. But it is about renewables. So, you know, people will say to me all the time, you know, must dislike CUC because they're not, they're not pro-renewables. Actually, CUC is very pro-renewables. You can see a lot of their PR and marketing right now talks about you know, how, how pro-renewables they are. They, the key there is that Renewable energy is a democratizing technology. We can all have a piece of it. I can have some, you can have some, the guy in the street can have some. Right. And so that's always the, 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 the fight, so to speak, is, you know, we need to have this, this balance to where you have consumer renewable energy that's also uh, matched with utility scale renewable energy. And there has to be a better balance there. I agree fully because you can't just have one person owning all of it when it's literally sunshine that shines on all but, of us. You know, that that's what your regulator is supposed to be there for. At the end of the day, you can't fault a private company for looking out for its best interest. Right. right. And I'm going to skip forward because you just mentioned off-reg. Um, so that is off-reg or the Utility Regulation and Competition Office of the Cayman Islands. Um, so they have a new chairman, which is Rudy Ebanks. And I remember when I was away, in Egypt, literally just in November, I was having people saying, oh, this is exciting. We have a new person, da, 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 da. And I personally don't know anything about it. So I just wanted to know if you thought this new chairman is a really positive step forward for Cayman in terms of off-reg and maybe, like you said, not following, being more of a <laughs> maybe middleman between our two governing energy policies. Yeah. The answer is yes. Uh, I have a lot of respect for Rudy Ebanks, and I do think that he um, is helping to drive positive change at the regulator. I think, unfortunately, he has now stepped away for for medical reasons. Oh, so, no. someone else is there now as the as the interim uh, chairman. Uh, but I've had a lot of conversations with with Rudy uh, probably over the last year or so, and um, you know, I think. From me personally, I've been engaged with the regulator from before they were offering from the time they were the ERA. And so I've watched over the last 10 years, the sort of evolution of, of that entity. And uh, I am a big advocate for having a good, strong regulator because the regulator mm -hmm. in a perfect world is supposed to be sort of the referee between, between all the stakeholders. Them. Yeah. 
And so not adhering to any one particular side, uh, it's my personal opinion, unfortunately, that the, the regulator, especially the last few years, has sort of gravitated far too much to relying on on the utility and, and taking the utility's sort of point of view and, mm-hmm. and sort of allowing the utility to dictate, uh, for example, the fate of its, its competitors and, and mm-hmm. those sorts of things. So I think um, the, the regulator has been sort of remiss in their decision-making in terms of how long they're taking. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not very proactive in the planning. Uh, but, you know, I'm always optimistic that it's going to get better. They have a new board now. Mm-hmm. And so it sort of remains to be seen if the new board will sort of take a, a different tact than, than the previous um, iterations of, of Offreg. Offreg could certainly be a force for good, but it can also be, you know, a force for stagnation. And so far it's been a bit of a force for stagnation, but... Uh, I remain eternally optimistic that it will be a force for for good change. I love that. And I think sometimes when, I think for myself, it's kind of hard to remember that these big companies are just made up of people and people that you can talk to. And so sometimes when you're at home and you're despairing about the state of the world and the state of where we're at as, as an island in terms of our renewables and in terms of 15 tons per capita per person, you know, on our island. It's hard to remember that the people in charge are people. I don't know if that makes sense to you. <laughs> you know, there's people in charge that it's, it's, they're reachable. So if you're listening out there and you want, you know, to, to make a difference, like it, it's very possible. Like yeah. you, you've had your whole journey so far and now you're here, you know? And I guess we'll come back to that a bit later about what you would, you know, suggest for somebody starting off. Mm. But it, sometimes when you think a lot about climate change, like I do, and you just lay in bed at night with your eyes wide open and you're like, ah, what are we going to do? It's nice to know that there are, that the people in charge are just people that you can like communicate with and talk to. Um, and so knowing that there's a new board is, I think, super optimistic because us as a people can work with them, hopefully, to push everything in the right direction. So coming to climate change, I guess, in terms of being scared of it, um, it's a massive threat to our island nations. Um, Increased weather severity, sea level rise, droughts, and the list goes on and on and on. Other islands like Barbados have made renewable energy a right to its citizens. Something that I know you've mentioned to me when I last spoke to you. Um, Are you and how can we integrate that into our national energy policy? And have you already begun? Yeah. So one of the uh, so we're in the midst right now of the five year review of the national energy policy. It's okay. supposed to be reviewed every five years, and we're right in the middle of doing that now. I'm currently the chairman of the Energy Policy Council for government, so okay. we are charged with with reviewing the national energy policy and overseeing its implementation. Uh, one of the recommendations that CREA, as a member of the national of the Energy Policy Council, has made. Uh, in in regards to things that we want to see added to the national energy policy this time around is for uh, all of the residents of the Cayman Islands uh, that are homeowners to have a right to install solar and energy storage um, on their homes or businesses. And really what that comes down to is not just about saving money, but also people have a right for life safety and life quality uh, to basically have energy production at their home. So in the event of a hurricane, uh, people like myself who went through Hurricane Ivan and mm-hmm. we didn't have, you know, electricity for weeks or months. Yeah. Um, you know, you want your kids to be able to have electricity. You want the quality of life to be there. I mean, I have clients who have oxygen machines that they need the electricity. They need the energy. And so, unfortunately, right now, um, you have to apply. You have to ask the, the utility, can I connect into your grid uh, as part of one of these programs, often the programs stop and start because of lack of prudent and, and timely capacity planning. And so um, 
we believe that we need to move in, the, in much the same way that Barbados has moved, that this is actually a right of the residents to have this. And yeah. so we don't need to ask permission. We need to give you notification that we're connecting into the grid. Uh, but this needs to be a right for everyone to be able to have. And so that's something that we're pushing for as part of the National Energy Policy Review. You living in the Cayman Islands should have a right to be able to adopt renewable energy. That's a massive thing. It is a massive thing. And there are some people that are going to argue against it. Um, because they lose a measure of control. Yeah. Um, but it is a right that we believe that, that all the, the residents of the Cayman Islands would support, and we believe the government will support it as well. I agree. And I think for anybody out there listening who agrees, I mean, it's kind of a tricky time right now, because like you said, this is a five-year review. That's a, like, that, that's, that's a big review of something that basically runs our entire, that we rely so heavily on. So if you're out there and you're listening, I, I wanted to ask you a question which is for someone who's looking to begin, who agrees with what you're saying and is looking to begin their renewable energy journey here, of course we need a massive shift in policy that, and we need it to trickle down. But like I said, I do believe in small actions. And so I'm wondering what advice would you give for someone who maybe wants to start making smaller, maybe smaller movements into bigger movements? What would be the first steps? I would advocate the first step is to join CREA. As I said, mm -hmm. you, you don't have to be a renewable energy expert. You don't have to be in the solar field whatsoever. You just have to be someone who wants to see change happen. Uh, we tend to provide and disseminate to our members as much information as we can on a regular basis. We have quarterly meetings with our members so they know what's going on in the renewable energy space. What are the, the advancements? What are the challenges that we're having? Uh, as a board, we meet quite regularly, but as, as membership, we, we try to meet once a quarter. And, um, you know, that's a way for you to understand what's going on, mm -hmm. to ask questions, to be able to give input. Um, CREA is represented on the Energy Council, which is reviewing the national energy policy. So if you want to have direct input into the national energy policy, mm -hmm. our members can give suggestions and recommendations. Um, and, and we basically take those. Uh, we look at what's, what's viable and, and we submit them on behalf of the association as, as changes that we want to see or additions that we want to see to the policy. So uh, you can come in, you can learn, and you can actually have a direct impact if you join uh, CREA. Uh, right now, CREA is sort of the only advocacy group. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned before, we're not a, a solar installer association. So this isn't about making solar installers rich. Uh, in fact, like I said, most of the members have nothing to do with the solar industry whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So that would be my recommendation if you want to get involved is to join CREA. Um, to do that, you just need to go to our website, uh, caymanrenewableenergy.com. Um, or send us an email at info at caymanrenewableenergy.com uh, or just go to our Facebook page, Cayman Renewable Energy Association or WhatsApp or, or call me at 916-7246. So there's, oh there's plenty of ways to, uh, to, to, to get in touch with us. You must get a ton of calls. <laughs> yeah, so send Facebook message, get a, get a WhatsApp or, or, uh, or send us an email. Oh, well, that's it. I think that's all. I mean, yeah. I have a hundred million more questions, but in the sake of time. And it's free. It, oh, that's yeah. the other thing for, if you're a member, if you're an individual person, an individual member, as opposed to a corporate entity, it's, it's free for individual members to join. And that's just kind of too easy. Come on, just get out there and join it. If you feel passionate about it and you want to learn more about it, it's literally sitting out there waiting for you to join. And I love that. I'm super excited to get more involved with you guys next year. So that's about it, guys. I mean, I have like 50 more questions, but you know, these aren't very long podcasts because we don't want to lose people <laughs> in the middle there to their attention spans. But um, thank you so much. You are a renewable hero here for sure. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for your accessibility to people, for information. It's, it, I think we need more of you. 
And I think we're very, very grateful to have you. Well, thanks a lot. A pleasure to be here. And, uh, you know, Cayman Renewable Energy, although I'm the face of it, uh, it's not just me. Uh, mm -hmm. There are dozens of other people that are mm -hmm. part of the association that, that help to do the, uh, the work that we do. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just keep on pushing. Takes a village. Yep. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you again to DMS Broadcasting and to Bobo 89.1 and to our silent sponsors and my pal Ryan Kirkaldi from Retrospect Media for his masterful editing skills and filming. Check out our filmed episodes over on YouTube and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Protecting Paradise KY. Also make sure to follow Kriya on Twitter at Kriya Kman and on Facebook for updates and become a freaking member guys it's free go learn more and be a part of the massive change that is going to happen on this island so you can't care unless you know right so thanks for joining us today and remember we're always open to your opinion and your topic suggestions so don't be shy merry christmas and happy new year and we will see you next week toodles <laughs>